Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's, or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon, or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. There's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. So I have to keep a promise. And even though there is a ton to get into from the two Game 5s played between the 76ers and Hawks and Jazz and Clippers, two sensational Game 5s, I'm going to quickly address a question posed by the fair guy on Twitter who asked why Derrick Rose is viewed as a fallback option in free agency to Mike Conley and Kyle Lowry. And to all my listeners, if you ever have a question or a subject you'd like me to address in the pod, please send it my way. Now, Fair Guy's topic actually ties into maybe the biggest point I want to make about the Sixers' collapse to the Hawks. So it's not completely removed from the night's events. This is why Fair Guy that Derrick Rose is not getting as much love as Mike Conley or Kyle Lowry. And it's Derrick's history. Negative impressions are just hard to shed when it comes to NBA front offices. Between the injuries, abruptly going AWOL on the Knicks, and the ugly rape charges, D. Rose is still viewed as too big of a risk compared to good citizen Conley and Lowry who was an all-star last year and is only two years removed from helping the Toronto Raptors win a championship. Teams are still worried Derek is one sharp move away from another devastating injury, and having to be careful with his minutes to avoid one makes them reluctant to bet on him. Yes, Conley is older and has had his share of injuries recently, is currently injured now, as has Lowry, but none were as significant as Derek's. There's also his inherent shyness 
which makes it difficult to get to know him. Those who do, Tom Thibodeau is one, I'd like to count myself as another, swear by him. We are resolute in believing, as I once wrote, that he may be one of the most misunderstood high-profile players to ever grace the NBA. And I'm gratified to see that the fan vote for MVP went to Derek. It says that more and more people are recognizing what he's done since he's come back. Now, he's done everything he can to transform his game so that it doesn't rely on the explosive moves that ultimately resulted in the knee injuries. But it clearly hasn't convinced a lot of decision makers. Once upon a time, he was also viewed as not very well spoken and therefore not all that intelligent. But he has become a reader of ancient philosophers. I kid you not, he and I have talked about it. In search of an inner peace that eluded him when he nearly quit the game. I know that probably sounds incredibly highfalutin for a kid from the mean streets of Chicago, and I don't even pretend, pretend to be objective when it comes to Derek. But all that I've said is the truth. The fact that he was once at the top of the NBA mountain, fell completely off it and out of the league, and then fought his way back in, on it, and up it, is a testament to his love for the game and relentless quest to prove he's a winner. Now, I respect both Conley and Lowry for who they are and what they've done. But in my mind, Rose is truly unique and special. If you haven't spent any time with him, though, you're judging the book by both its cover and its rougher passages. Doesn't matter that he got the rape charges cleared, doesn't matter that he's changed his game, doesn't matter that he's been healthy and played big minutes for the Knicks. As I said, it's not necessarily a first impression, but the lasting impression of Rose is just that Conley and Lowry are safer bets. Now, if the Philadelphia 76ers had Rose or Lowry, they would not have lost game five the way they did earlier tonight. Both are exactly what the Sixers are missing. I talked about how they were vulnerable a couple of podcasts ago because their max salary point guard, Ben Simmons, is not a floor general. Simmons pretty much demonstrated everything I said about him in the Game 5 loss. He's demonstrated it pretty much throughout this series. Allow him to get into the open court, playing up-tempo, and he is at his best. That, combined with Joel Embiid coming out to prove his dominance, put the Sixers up early and big and kept them there until late in the third quarter. But a floor general, a true floor general, has more than one gear. And when a team has a lead, particularly in a playoff game, it's vital to be able to slow the pace and still be effective. Simmons has no capability of doing that. Doc Rivers seems to know it. That's why he has him bring the ball up the court and then hand it off to someone like, in the game earlier tonight, Seth Curry, and then have Simmons retreat to the dunker's position or set a screen to shake Curry loose. Seth is a capable scorer, as he demonstrated, but he's also a liability on defense because of his size and he can't manipulate the other team's defense to get quality shots for anybody else. 
all of that was on display earlier tonight as well. The only player the Sixers have who can do that is Embiid. And asking your big to consistently work from the top of the arc and attack the basket is sure to wear him out. Seven foot, 280 pound bigs aren't built for that, no matter how talented. And Embiid has never been the most ideally conditioned athlete ever. He's also a highly emotional player. And that sucks up energy as well. He acted as if he'd put Clint Capella in a body bag in the first half. And in a sense, he did. When he's rolling, he's unstoppable. But let him struggle, and he gets quiet and hesitant. The problem was, it was only the first half when he did all that to Capella. And the Hawks had already proved their resilience earlier in the series. They'd seen this movie. By the way, what I'm saying about Embiid is no secret. Everyone in the league knows it. The Hawks certainly do now. They knew they just had to weather the early tempest because keeping up that fury for Embiid for 48 minutes is just not sustainable. Sixers coach Doc Rivers didn't help. He can harangue his team all he wants about good habits and being mentally tough. And trust me, he knows that the cameras are on him in those huddles. But there are times a coach has to shake his team up with a strategy that forces them to play with force. Trapping the ball, double teaming, pressing up, all of those things get a team moving. Leaving Seth to just trade baskets with Lou Williams was a gamble. And if anyone should know Lou, it should be Doc. He made the mistake last year of continuing to stick with Lou even though he wasn't on his game. Lou is like J.R. Smith. He's always lethal. But sometimes it's for the other team. Sometimes it's for his own. The Hawks just happened to get good Lou on this night and it kept them within striking distance until they could come back to Trey Young. Lou was getting victimized by Seth as much as Lou was victimizing Seth. But trading off for where the Sixers were was not good enough, especially with Embiid, who was gassed and no longer able to be a rim protector or a glass cleaner, which left Trey to get all the way to the rim and the Atlanta bigs to snare offensive rebounds. You could see the collapse coming, and Doc sat and watched it unfold, just as he did last year with the Clippers against the Nuggets. Give Doc a fire breather like Kevin Garnett, a cold-blooded assassin like Paul Pierce, and a heady veteran like Ray Allen, and he's a championship-caliber coach. Anything short of that, and he is as good as the team you give him. Ben Simmons, though, was just one piece of the tragic puzzle. Matisse Thibel, their defensive wizard, got caught flat-footed on one play by Trey late. Trey waltzed in for a layup, and Bede was too tired to get over and challenge it, and then on another, Matisse got suckered into fouling Trey on a three-point shot, resulting in free throws that put the Hawks ahead with a minute and 26 seconds to play. Tobias Harris, the Sixers' alleged go-to wing, was invisible down the stretch. The Sixers ran a play out of a timeout designed for Harris to get the ball to Embiid in the paint. Only the play didn't work, didn't materialize. Now, a true go-to guy 
would have recognized that and seen it as as his opportunity to do what he's supposed to do, which is be the go-to guy. In fact, a real go-to guy would have taken issue with the fact that they were running the play for somebody else. Harris didn't do that. He's a good guy. Just don't know that he's a go-to guy. He tried to force the ball to Embiid, and it resulted in a turnover without a shot. That is devastating mentally and emotionally for a team coming out of a timeout with a set play. The biggest problem the Sixers now have is that no lead is big enough to discourage the Hawks. They just came back from a nearly 30-point deficit in the second half, late in the third quarter. They are going to make Philadelphia play to the very end, and I'm just not sure at this point that they have the fortitude to do it. Now, I don't know how many people were surprised by the Clippers winning Game 5 without Kawhi Leonard, who is suffering some sort of sprained knee ACL injury, and his availability for the rest of the series is in doubt. In any case, I knew the Clippers had a chance. This win was forged way back in the regular season when I saw the Clippers win a game without Kawhi or Paul George, and I wish I could remember the game, but it escapes me at the moment. It was against a quality opponent. I know I talked about it in an earlier podcast because it struck me as a huge confidence builder and reflected the wisdom of the roster changes that the Clippers made last summer. Clippers coach Ty Lue only has solidified that confidence by how he has utilized his roster throughout these playoffs. He's used everybody. He used a lot of people tonight. Pat Beverly, Rajon Rondo, Luke Kennard, they all got a chance to chip in and did. Paul George came up big, but he wouldn't have been enough without an array of Clippers battling every defensive position and gang rebounding. They won the rebounding battle despite Avica Zubac playing only eight minutes and grabbing two boards. That's where George made his biggest imprint, thinking he had at least 16 boards. And he's been that all series long. He's done the dirty work, and that's contagious. I've said it all season long. The Clippers may have two stars in Kawhi and PG, but they are at their best when everyone is involved. Their mistake last year was thinking they could ride their two stars, taking turns in isos. In this game, seven different Clippers knocked down a three. Seven had at least one assist. The Clippers only had a total of 17 assists, but they shot better than 50%, a sure sign the ball was moving and that they were simply looking for and finding the open man. That is team basketball with a capital T. Both the Clippers and the Hawks won, but so did the team concept or the concept of team basketball in the NBA, something that we've lost sight of. I'm sure it's not going to be advertised that way. It's going to be all about Paul George and Trey Young, but this really was a group, a collective getting together and not being bowed by dire circumstances. It also helped the Clippers that Donovan Mitchell's right ankle still is clearly holding him back. Missed a number of games at the end of the season and then has re-injured that ankle at least twice in this series. And he hasn't been the same since. His shooting percentage has dropped every game in this series and he has increasingly settled for threes. 
14 of his 19 shots in game five came from beyond the arc. That's the surest sign that he's not able to turn the corner as he can when he's at his best. And when he's not at his best, neither are the Jazz. Without him getting into the paint, the Jazz are left without anyone who can create open shots for Utah's less-than-athletic wings, Joe Ingles and Bojan Bogdanovic, who took 17 threes of his own. Now, he made nine of them, and he had 32 points, and yet he finished with a plus-minus of minus six. Even more telling, Defensive Player of the Year Rudy Gobert was a minus four without a single blocked shot. The only person whose defense may have been worse is LeBron James, who decided to blast the league on Twitter for the array of stars that have been injured this postseason, blaming that circumstance on the abbreviated offseason. Now, whether you believe that or not, his timing was not good. And he didn't have facts to back him up. NBA spokesman Mike Bass did and fired back, also on Twitter, pointing out that there have been no more games missed by starters and star-level players this season than in the last two years, and that the injury rate overall is virtually the same as last year. LeBron got caught being a prisoner of the moment and suggesting that the season has been marred, as LeBron did, only to have the Clippers and Hawks follow up on the Nets' electric performance two nights ago with sensational showings of their own, could not have been worse timing. As the saying goes, we were all witnesses. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Only one game on the immediate horizon. The Nets going to Milwaukee to see if they can close out their series in Game 6 and punch their ticket for the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm sure we'll get into that in the next podcast. And as I said at the top, if there's any subject, topic, or issue you'd like me to address here on the podcast, please send it my way. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.